Welcome to Seminole Wrap. Again, I'm Tim Allenball, and tonight we're going to be discussing Florida State's opponent this upcoming Saturday night. It is the Notre Dame Fighting Irish, one of the best teams in the nation. Uh, hopefully, Florida State is going to be able to have some success building off their first win of the season. Uh, to talk Notre Dame, we're going to have two guests tonight. We're going to have Adam Brown here in a little bit, but first, we are starting off with the one, the only, the man, the myth, Kevin Little. Kevin, how are you doing tonight? Man, I'm doing great. I'm I'm looking forward to to Saturday. You know, maybe maybe we can have some good news. Yeah, yeah. You know, I'm uh, I'm hoping to see the offense continue what they started. Uh, I'm, I'm hoping that they're going to find some success. But um, just for those that are unfamiliar, Kevin uh, Kevin does the four verts. He does triple option, a new a new segment they started, and of course he's on Tomahawk Nation Twitter, YouTube. He's literally everywhere uh x's and Knowles, you can catch them there but kevin uh tonight you and i we're going to discuss notre dame's defense against florida state's offense and what i really want to do is just kind of enlighten those that are listening about what uh they can expect to see from notre dame's defense so what kind of defense are they running so notre dame likes to run one high defenses so they'll actually initially line up with two safeties and then they'll bring one of those safeties down in the box, depending on where the offense's strength of formation is. Um, and that just allows them to have an extra man to help with run fits and to help uh, defend against the run. But also they have that one free safety who can take away deeper passes. And then I would say for about 60 to 70% of their plays, they will just run man straight across the board. So they really trust their secondary players, their their safeties and their corners to lock down defenders. And it gives their linebackers a little bit of freedom to kind of come up and, and play in the run fits. So if they're playing 60 to 70% man, has Florida State faced that this year? So Florida State hasn't faced nearly the amount of man. Um, Miami is a little man heavy but they'll also come at you with a fair amount of zone blitzes. Um, Georgia Tech is likewise uh, very similar defensive philosophies there, but no, they'll see more man this Saturday than they probably have all year. So you, you started there by talking about how Notre Dame really trusts their secondary to lock down receivers. So let's start there and talk about their secondary. Who are some names to know? What, uh, I guess, is it a press man? Are they going to play off a little bit? What What are we going to see come Saturday? So they do press a fair amount. Um, what I actually want to direct our attention on the secondary to their safeties and not their corners, which is a little odd for a man defense. But a name like Kyle Hamilton, he got hurt the second game of the season. But if he's back, he's probably the brightest star on that team. He's only a sophomore, but... He projects to be a really high ceiling player. The guy's 6'3", looks like a basketball player. He can come up in the running game and he can defend one-on-one in the passing game. But even players like Tariq Bracely and uh, Clarence Lewis, who are both corners on the outside, do a really have done a really good job this year of locking down receivers. You, you talk about the safety play is... I don't want to say it's cornerback a weakness, but safety is obviously stronger. But how are they at safety or at cornerback? I mean, I apologize. 
they're they're pretty good. Um, they're they're shutting teams down from the passing game, and that's saying a lot. Seeing how much their corners and safeties have to be put on islands, and so I think it says a lot to the talent that they have in South Bend and the coaching that they've been receiving over the past few years. That's a, it's a little scary to hear. I feel like Florida state's receivers have struggled a little bit this year with just running clean routes in general. And so to see some press man or to see some uh, cornerbacks that are really going to lock down probably an area that's been a little bit of a weakness. Um, it wasn't something I'd, I'd hope to hear from you, Kevin. <laughs> um, let's jump to linebackers. You said, since they run that man uh, coverage, it gives the linebackers a little more freedom. Um, what are, who are the big stars at linebacker and are they blitz heavy? Are they going to be, uh, or are they, are they more just sticking back and, and waiting to see how the offense is going to run? So one name you should look out for, he was their leading tackler last, last year, and this is going to be a mouthful and I'm sorry if I mispronounce it, but his name is Jeremiah Owusu Karamoa, Koromoa, sorry. Um, and the guy plays what Fuller likes to call the stud. Um, there are many different names. Some people call him the pony or it's what, if you hear a weird name on defense, it's this guy's position and it's kind of this hybrid linebacker safety position. He'll be asked to, um, play a traditional linebacker role or kind of man up slot defenders, stuff like that. Or he'll be the matchup of choice if we decide to run. McDonald out on routes and stuff. He's a little bit of a bigger body than your traditional safety. And he's really the guy you should be looking out for. He He's all over the field. He's a good playmaker. And they have a couple more traditional linebackers, but um, I think Owusu Koromoa is the guy to watch out for. Um, I think they do a pretty decent job of protecting their linebackers. So what I mean by that is when you play man straight across the board, that kind of gives your linebackers a little bit of freedom so they don't have to necessarily blitz or uh, drop back and have a zone that they're responsible for. Usually you'll see them kind of hanging out in the like five to 10 yard range, kind of in this like little robber position, taking taking any middle routes and kind of also spying the quarterback in the process. So are they going to be involved? Like, do they blitz a whole lot from the linebacker or is that maybe going to come from the safety position? Where, where would the pressure come from in Notre Dame? Now, I know I'm saying that knowing that Notre Dame the past basically two seasons have only had the rush four for the most part against Florida State. But if they do blitz and bring pressure, where, where will we see it from? Um, they do like to bring like Owusu Koromoa on little outside blitzes and the occasional safety blitz or middle linebacker blitz. But I would say that they're really not a blitz happy team. When you think of a man defense, you tend to think of someone that's blitzing on top of that. Uh-huh. But I would say that they're they're pretty conservative. Chuck Lee, their defensive coordinator, seems to really trust the players he has on defense. And he just wants to let them play. And so it seems like... He's not going to try to blitz you to death. He's not going to try to get fancy with his own defense. He's going to just play man, and he's going to allow his defensive line to, to rush the quarterback. Basically, he's going to dare you to beat him. Is what it, it's kind of how you're making it sound. That's exactly what he's doing. He's saying, I'm going to put my guy on your guy, and we're going to win. <laughs> okay, so on the defensive line, let's start on the outside of the defensive ends. Is it a 4-3? 
I'm not, I mean, is it, are they rushing four with three linebackers or what's their setup there? Yeah, it's, it's a four, three, or I guess every four threes kind of turn into like a four, two, five nowadays because that, uh, the Owusu Koromoa is kind of this hybrid safety linebacker. Um, they do have some talent on the defensive line, but I think they've been waiting for them to kind of show up. Isaiah Foskey is a defensive end that showed a little bit of flash in the first couple of games this season, but we'll see how that plays out. I'm sure they'll all look like superstars on Saturday. I was going to say, well, this could be the game that they finally show up. <laughs> <laughs> uh, defensive tackles, anybody that really scares you there? Um, I, I would say that I'm way more worried about their secondary than their defensive line. They're not bad, but they're definitely not the strength of the defense. If you were to like compare them to Miami's defensive line, which I feel like is obviously the best, best defensive line they've, they've faced in this early season. Uh, I guess, how would you compare the two? Like, are, are they near the same level as Miami or are they a clear step down? Yeah. I mean, if, if Miami's getting an A for their defensive line, this is more of a B, but I would say that Miami's secondary right now is more of a C and Notre Dame secondary is, is an A that there's a couple draft picks on there. Okay. Um, so let's talk about how Florida state's offense can have success against Miami's defense. You know, we saw, uh, which John and I discussed on, on, uh, Sunday, which you and Trey and Adam discussed also in triple option. It looks like Florida state has finally, found an identity offense, something that they're probably going to stick with. Um, And having Jordan Travis at quarterback running kind of this modernized triple option. uh, Can this be successful against what Notre Dame wants to do? So the man defense that I was talking about earlier is actually pretty susceptible to, to running plays, right? If you imagine your corners and safeties when they're manned up on a wide receiver and the wide receiver runs down downfield, they've got to turn and run with them. So you end up losing all of that support that comes with the corners and safeties normally in the box. So the goal for Florida state has to be to be successful enough in the running game that you force them out of playing man defense. You make them play zone. You make their middle linebackers who aren't used to having to, hold a lot of weight in the passing game, you make them have to cover in space. And that would be your key to breaking this defense. Yeah, I, I can't help but feel like you've educated me that on that a lot already this season. Um, that when when the man when man defense is happening, your secondary is, is basically out of the picture now when it comes yep. to the run plays, which is why you've talked about why it's not great for Florida State to run it because they've they've struggled there. Uh, especially with a running quarterback. So this could be a situation where if Jordan Travis is able to have success with his reads as he has with the last game, it it could really start to put a strain on, on, on Notre Dame's defense. Yeah, it really can. And honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if they just came out and didn't run much man. If I was, if I was their defensive coordinator, I would just play zone, sit back and make, Jordan Travis throw it over me. So um, in that, Florida State's already has a minor victory if we're, if we're forcing Notre Dame to do something that they don't normally do. Um, I think compared to a couple of years ago where they were just 
playing whatever they want, you know, <laughs> like rushing three or four and dropping back. It it should be a small victory in our minds that uh, Florida State's forcing them, forcing their hand. Is Does Jordan Travis have the accuracy to beat a zone? So he does. Uh, the The problem is he doesn't have the accuracy to do it consistently. Mm-hmm. So if the, if the running game never gets off the ground, then the linebackers don't have to respect it. And there are very few college quarterbacks that can beat his own zone defense. That's not expecting the run consistently. Got it. So they can basically, if they don't have to worry about the run and that takes away that concern and they can really just sit in their zones where they want to be and it really makes it even more difficult on Jordan Travis. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, and their their zone is pretty solid too. You know, they're not they're good secondary players. They they do a good job of finding someone coming through their zone and sticking to them while they're in the zone and so it luckily for them, luckily for Florida State, their weakness in the past year has been run defense and so if Florida State can start taking advantage of that then other things start to open up so maybe this is putting you a little bit on the spot but are are there a certain set of plays or um certain formations that florida state can run that they that you feel like they can exploit notre dame i know you said they've struggled a little bit in run defense uh obviously if they if they come out and man that's going to open up a couple things but like let's say they go into that zone defense is there something that florida state that you've seen them have success with already that they can, they can use to exploit this. So Florida state was relatively successful doing screens and this little triple option look that has been talked about ad nauseum at this point um, where Jordan Travis has the zone read and then can dish it out to a screen. Um, However, I don't think that's their, their key to success in this game. I would say that the better strategy might be to load up in the box, maybe bring two tight ends in and really force Notre Dame to take some of their talented secondary players out for more, for more girth, you know, more mm-hmm. size yeah. uh, and just challenge them because even the best corner isn't going to be able to take on a linebacker in run fits or sorry, a tight end in run fits. In, in in those situations when you get those bigger backs or those bigger linebackers in there, then in theory that's going to open up even more, I guess, running space for maybe Toa Philly or for even Jordan Travis on the outside because you would expect that they have the speed to beat the linebackers to the edge. Yeah, and if you can force them out of a 4-2-5 and maybe get another linebacker in there, then those those little pitch uh, little option pitches that we saw that we scored two touchdowns on mm-hmm. will start to open up the the screen pass to the outside will start to open up but the key is being able to run and being able to run against their defensive line and linebackers so finish this thought for me florida state will self-implode on offense if they uh get in their mindset that they're going to run what uh it's hard to tell. Um, it's more about if they are able to block within the tackles. If they can't, if they can't run the ball within the tackles, then 
they don't stand a chance. The Notre Dame will stay in man and just lock down those screen passes on the outside and Jordan Travis won't be able to take the top off the defense. So you need some success running between the tackles and that just comes down to man on man. So basically Florida state has no chance if they can't run the ball at all. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think that should be pretty obvious with a quarterback like Jordan Travis. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, we laugh, but that's that's probably been a struggle of Florida State for the past two years. Uh, you know, Cam Akers really bailed him out last year, but establishing a solid run game has has been a weakness. Uh, Jordan Travis gives him a little better look or a little better, I think, chance at that because uh, yeah. you're almost running a wildcat type offense, which exploits the defenders. So, um, Florida State will score how many points against this defense, Kevin? Look, I think Duke scored 13. So I don't think they're going to shut us out, but I I would probably venture in the 17 to 21 range um, if Jordan Travis is having a good game. I I think I said on on the earlier Seminole rap uh, earlier this week that I think Florida State should consider it a successful day on offense if they score above 20 points. Oh, yeah, that that would be a great day. Uh, I, I know we looked gangbusters against an FCS team, but uh, I think this is a, a cool opportunity for Jordan Travis to really, for us to really see what Jordan Travis can do at the quarterback position, you know, against teams that we want to be competitive against. Yeah, and, and I do think that... Um, Running wise, this is a better opportunity than maybe he would have been against Miami uh, running wise. Um, Yes. And if you think about that, he had some success in that third quarter against Miami before he injured his his foot or whatever it was. Yeah, I I would think that there's going to be some success. We're going to get some yards. The problem comes if Notre Dame just happens to hold us to third and eight, third and 10. We get a couple negative plays, which I'll give Jordan Travis credit. He is amazing at uh, avoiding negative plays, which is just a huge sigh of relief for our offense. But if they're able to shut us down on the inside, uh, it's going to make it a lot harder to get those third downs. Right. I mean, obviously against FCS opponent, he was very successful (laughs) with early early success, you know, getting us in, getting Florida state into second and, and five or third and two, um, you know, just as long as he doesn't pull another Miami interception negative play, <laughs> uh, I think it's going to be successful. But, but Kevin, I really appreciate it. Any final thoughts uh, before we go over to Adam and look at the other side of the ball? Yeah, I would say that we should be excited if we're able to move the ball consistently, if we can get, a couple touchdowns out of this game. Notre Dame is a legit top 10, 15 team this year. Um, And don't be surprised if this game gets ugly pretty quick, but uh, this is is a growing point for this team. There's a lot of young kids playing, especially on defense. And so just take it for what it is. If we can move the ball and be successful in any way, we should look at that as a positive. Well, thanks so much, Kevin. Uh, I can't wait to catch up with you again. I know you're becoming even busier. So I cherish, I cherish our time together, Kevin. Yeah, this is fun. Always. (laughs) All right. Thanks so much. Uh, And at this time, we're going to go over to Adam Brown, coach AB. We're going to talk about uh, what Florida State's defense can do against Notre Dame's offense. 
At this time, we are joined by Adam Brown from Tomahawk Nation, also from the Four Verts, and most recently, the Triple Options segments. Adam, thanks so much for jumping on with us tonight. Oh, Tim, you know I always enjoy coming on talking to you, buddy. <laughs> I uh, On the way over, when I was about to record, I was like, I wonder if I could ask Adam what's the meanest thing he's ever said to a player while coaching, but I think we need to probably keep our rating <laughs> <laughs> uh, on, on on Apple, but uh, yeah, yeah, I don't want, I don't, I don't think that's something that I'm necessarily willing to share here on live air. <laughs> this is this is a this is a PG channel. <laughs> but uh, Adam, I, I love talking to you because not only are, are not only are you just a wealth of knowledge, but you really give that perspective from a coach because it's something you've done for years uh, and something that you're passionate about. So I'm excited uh, to talk about Florida State. Not as excited to talk about how Florida State is going to stop Notre Dame's offense. We got the uh, scoop on the defensive side of the ball from Kevin. And uh, so, Adam, I'm going to turn it over to you. What are we looking at from Notre Dame's offense? Yeah, we're, we're really looking at a very diverse attack. Um, boy, I, I, so I, I've been watching – from this year, I, I don't want to put as much in previous year's uh, footage. I know the coaches will watch a lot of that, and they'll be able to devise a game plan and find tendencies. But I wanted to look at see what this year's team is doing. And, man, they do a lot, and they do a lot well. Um, and, and, you know, you're really going to start with Notre Dame with their front five. I, I was just researching their, their, their starters. Their starters from left to right have career starts, 28 at left tackle, 20 at left guard, 14 at center, 31 at right guard, and 24 at right tackle. Four seniors and a a redshirt junior on your your starting (laughs) offensive line. I'm so so jealous. And I imagine most of those guys are probably, at at the lowest, like a high three-star, but most likely all four stars. Yeah, yeah. And and I'm sure they're all NFL prospects too. You know, I just, I'm I'm so envious. But, you know, really looking at Notre Dame, they're just they're just a, a, a very big offense. They they they're going to play with a lot of tight ends there, and you know some of their tight ends are hybrid type kids. They've got a the player that really jumped out at me when I was watching film was a redshirt sophomore Tommy Tremble, number twenty four. He's going to line up at tight end. He's going to line up at fullback. He's going to line up at wide receiver. They do so much with him. Uh, he he, in my opinion, is the heartbeat of that team. And that offense, um, I know a lot of people are going to talk about the quarterback, Ian Book, and the running back, Kyron Williams. But really, to me, it's Tommy Tremble because he just does so much for them and is such a mismatch for them all over the football field. Um, they, they're, they're dynamic. Uh, and, you know, they've had a couple weeks off here where they haven't been able to practice because of COVID-19 concerns and quarantine issues. Uh, so I, I don't know who's in, who's out for them. I, I I can't say that was my job to look and see who the heck was going to be playing for him coming out of COVID-19 quarantine. But man, if they got their starters back, uh, it's going to be a tough task for Adam Fuller and his defense. So what, what kind of base offense is Notre Dame running? Yeah, they're, they're going to be a lot of 21 personnel. Um, it's going to look like 11, though, because they're going to move Tremble around so much. Uh, they're going to run trips. They're going to run some double tight stuff. They're, they're, they're just they're, – Tim, they're all over the place. I mean, they're, they're, they truly are. They're all over the place. Uh, and they run about – you know, they probably run about 25 different plays, too, uh, different passing concepts. They like to run a lot of mesh uh, in the passing game. They really want to try to establish the run game, though, with that senior offensive line. Uh, that, that's where they're going to start and stop. Um, you know, they, 
They want to play with a lot of pace. They want to, you know, they were snapping the ball with about 26 seconds left on the play clock, play clock uh, throughout those two games. Um, they really want to run the football, keep the chains moving, keep the pace moving. That way they can set up their play action stuff because I wouldn't call them fast and explosive. I would just call them big, physical, and quick. Uh, so, you know, the more that they can run the football and get you on your heels and get those safeties flying up and get those linebackers flying up, then that's going to open up their RPO game. That's going to open up their play action game. And that's where they're going to find their big chunk plays. Um, they like to run the screen game out of, out of uh, you know, off of play action. They just do so much to, to call to, to define any type of base offense for them, I think is uh, really not doing Brian Kelly and his offense justice because they just, they're so diverse and they really are. They're going to find a way they're going to find your weakness and they're just going to attack, 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 attack. What I'm hearing, Adam, is that <laughs> is that Notre Dame's probably going to run about six straight run plays, and they're going to be <laughs> successful in all six of those. And then Florida State's going to load the box, and then boom, there's a touchdown pass. You know, it's wild. Uh, as good as their offensive line is, I never, I haven't felt like you know, against USF they ran the ball really well, um, but against Duke they really. They weren't great at it. Now it's game one, and you know there's there's a lot of different factors that go into those types of things. But I didn't feel like they were great at running the football. Um, when when they have their most successes, when they're get, just getting downhill at you, uh, mm-hmm. you know, down on the goal line, really, they tried a lot of run a lot of outside zone. They were able to run some counter tray, um, you know, throughout the game against Duke and really start popping some counter tray runs because Duke was just so over aggressive with bringing. Uh, bringing linebackers and safeties uh, to try to, to try to get them in negative yardage situations. Uh, we'll see. We'll see. Uh, Florida State's defensive line has got to play their butts off. You know, yeah. it, that's really what it boils down to. But, yeah, I mean, they're going to want to run the football, and then they're going to build off of that. So let's start there in the trenches. I know you already went across about their starts and, and how experienced this offensive line is. Uh, but let's touch right there when you were looking at running plays. So you said they haven't been as successful as you would maybe expect that experience of an offensive line. Are they a good run blocking offensive line? Yeah. I mean, I think that they are. I think that, you know, you're looking at game one, you know, Duke probably came out and ran some different stuff against them that maybe they weren't prepared for, or, you know, you, you didn't have spring, you didn't have summer. So they were still working on a lot of that communication mm-hmm. uh, that even a senior offensive line needs to, uh, to be successful. You know, they, they still had success running the football and they were able to pop some chunk runs uh, as the game went on and they, and they adjusted uh, some of their schemes. Look, they're going to, they're going to be good at everything. Uh, that's just the bottom line there. This is a really good offense. This is, you know, they're a top five team for a reason. This offensive line can do whatever they really want to do. Teams are going to scheme and they're going to do things and try to find ways to stop that. So, you know, it's give and take in football. Um, you know, they're going to get theirs. Defense is going to get theirs. It's just really a, a matter of Florida state's defense, trying to stay ahead of Notre Dame's offense to try to get as much as they can and put them in as many negative yardage positions as they can. Sticking there with with pass blocking, has there has there been any like signs of weakness? I know Duke <laughs> has some really good. I know Duke has some really good pass rushers, but uh, anything Florida State can do against like a, a pass blocking offensive line of Notre Dame. Bringing front four pressure has not been a strength for Florida State so far this year. I thought the Rumpf kid from uh, Duke had a little bit of success, uh, and he kind of wore down his. And they played paid a lot of attention to him. Florida State's going to have to bring. They're going to have to bring extra extra players to to get to Ian Book. 
they're they're not they're not going to be able to win with front four pressure. Um, they're going to have to blitz, and, and that just is what it is. And I, most teams are going to have to do that against this offensive line. Uh, you know, I don't want to I don't want to jump ahead and, and get into the game plan and stuff like that. But yeah, I mean, they're going to have to they're going to have to bring pressure. Notre Dame's going to hold up fairly well up front against Florida State's defensive line. So I know probably the biggest question mark in this game might be Notre Dame's wide receivers. Yeah, because um, yeah. I think that's been one of the units that's been hit um, hardest by the COVID uh, by the COVID uh, outbreak that they had, and it's probably the one where we uh, we don't really know what they're going to have this game. So with with that much insight, can you can you speak to maybe what they what we can expect from? Notre Dame's wide receivers? Yeah. I, again, I wouldn't call them an explosive group. I think they're expecting a young man back. Uh, I think, believe his name is Kevin Austin or Kevon Austin. Um, he's a, yeah, Kevin Austin Jr. He's a redshirt sophomore. He's, he, I don't believe he played last year. He's coming back off an injury from 2018. They're expecting him back this weekend. And he's a guy that they've had a lot of high hopes for. He's, he's one of their more explosive uh, players. Of course, he's coming back this week. Um, Ben Skaronic, uh, I hope I'm not saying that wrong. He's a grad transfer out of Northwestern, who's a player that got hurt in the first game. I believe he had a hamstring injury in the first game against Duke, who, they, who they're expecting a lot out of. Uh, you know, they're a blue-collar uh, receiving core, though. I mean, they're, they do a lot of dirty work. They're going to threaten you deep and then break it off and run some comebacks and run some hitches. They're going to do a lot of dirty work. Um, you know, like I said, they like to run mesh. They, I wouldn't categorize them as they're going to run away from you. The problem is, is they're so big and so physical that, uh, you know, it really is a matchup nightmare for Florida State. And then you talk about the tight ends, Brock Wright, who's a senior, Tommy Tremble, who I mentioned earlier, uh, Michael Meyer, who's a f- freshman, who's a big time, uh, I believe he's the number two tight end recruit in the country coming out last year. They call him Baby Gronk up there. Uh, he's just a big physical freak that they're going to have trouble matching up with. I mean, we saw Florida State struggle with uh, the player from Jack, uh, the, the tight end from Jacksonville State last week, and, and these guys are just—I mean—they're just monsters up there at Notre Dame. So we'll see how what they what kind of game plan they've got for them. But the, the, the Notre Dame just has big physical athletes all over the field that they're gonna—they're gonna beat on you and wear on you if they get the opportunity. So looking at the tight end position with Tommy Trimble, compare him to Brevin Jordan who Miami had, who's, you know, a freak, are they similar or is it a totally different type of athlete? Okay. I mean, that's interesting. So uh, I would say that Tremble is not, he's not as twitchy as Jordan was. Uh, meaning he, I don't believe he's as, he's as explosive as it like a Kyle Pitts and a Brevin Jordan. Those are, those are guys that are going to probably run four, four fives for you. And, you know, can change direction like wide receivers. Tremble is just a, yeah, I think he's, uh, let me, I believe I've got it here. He's a six, six foot, two thirty three. I mean, he's he just a big, thick kid that just does, he just does the dirty work for you. He's just one of those nasty guys. He's going to get in there and do the dirty work for you. He'll catch, he can run a little bit, but he's not quite as athletic as you're, as you're looking at a Brevin Jordan, but he's just got that nasty, just workman attitude. He's going to, he's going to get into you. He's going to drive you down the sideline if he can. Um, you know, he's going to, he can, he can run a few routes here and there, but really, I mean, they're going to scheme him open through run action, uh, you know, coming off a of play action and get him open that way. He's not a guy that's going to get himself open uh, like a Brevin Jordan can. Okay. Yeah, it's kind of similar to what we uh, what we think about with Gronk, where you got a big guy that's a, a good blocker, but also 
uh, can be dangerous. Uh, definitely. Due to the scheme, you know, and they scheme him open and, and then they, he's going to be really hard for Florida State's linebackers to cover. They're just going to have to pay a lot of attention to these guys. I mean, that, that's the diff- they've just got so many weapons across the across the board that they can get the ball to. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they're just going to have to they're going to have to do a good job getting Ian Book off his mark and trying to trying to get him rattled, and then you know stopping the run game. So let's talk let's talk about the run game. Um, the running backs. Um, you know, you, you're, you're talking about a big offensive line. You're talking about big tight ends. You're, you know, you're, you're picturing this, this offensive line that potentially could bully Florida state, but like you said, they have, they have had some struggles this year. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so what's going on with Notre Dame's running? Yeah. So, uh, retro, retro freshman, Kieran Williams, uh, is their number one guy. And then five star true freshman out of Virginia, Chris Tyree is their backup there. I mean, they've got three or four different backs, but those are the main two we're going to see. Um, you know, Williams is another thick kid that they like, uh, that, for whatever reason, they really struggle to run inside zone. They really struggle inside the tackles running the football, which is amazing to me as big as they are. Uh, but they, you know, they like to try to run a lot of outside zone at you. They like to try to run counter tray. Um, they're going to do some package plays uh, with their run game, a little zone read action. They're going to run some screens off of, off of a, like some of a little bit similar to what we saw Florida state do this past weekend with some screens off of a, off of the zone read stuff. They're going to pull it and throw it out there. Uh, They'll, they'll run Ian Book a little bit. Uh, I don't think they want to if they don't have to because uh, they don't want to have him taking shots. Um, but, yeah, I mean, Williams and Tyree are the main two. I expect to see a heavy dose of outside zone. I expect to see a heavy dose of uh, of counter tray. And we'll see if they mix some jet in there as uh, Georgia Tech had a little bit of success with jet in the first game. So I'm sure I'm sure they're going to be have watched that film and going to be seeing that and trying to pull some of that in here. And, and of course, attacking the major weakness of this defense, which is the outside, which is the edge position. That, that was going to be my next question. Is, is Notre Dame going to spill, the, spill over the edge all game long? <sighs> yeah, I mean, it, if history is going to repeat itself, you know, uh, or if, if the past couple games are, are any indication, I, you know, I don't know where Florida State's just finding a magical answer to stop these edge runs. Um, I thought they did a little bit better job against Jacksonville state, but again, it's Jacksonville state. So how much of that is they're getting better and how much of that was a step down in talent, you know? Um, so we'll, we'll see, uh, you know, I, I wouldn't say that I'm pessimistic, but I'm certainly not optimistic either, but you know, the coach of me, you know, that we're going to show up and play and it is what it is. You know, every, any given Saturday, you got a shot. If you show, if you show up and just got that attitude, there you go. Okay, so let's finish it up with Ian Book. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Ian Ian does a lot. Um, you know, obviously he's the he's the he's the, the the quarterback of the team, and he's the he's the guy that kind of drives the ship. He gets a little wild uh, mechanically. He gets he gets a little off. Uh, he gets a little, a little off balance every once in a while, and the ball sail on him. And uh, I think he does a pretty good job of working the ball around. I think he does a good job of managing their offense for him. Um, they don't want the ball in his hands necessarily, in my opinion, to have to win the game. They they want to lean on the running game and and set uh, set book up for successful situations, you know, off a of play action that kind of stuff, or and off of some zone read action where he can get the ball out. Um, you know, he's a good player. He's a good player. I wouldn't call him a great quarterback by any stretch of the imagination, but he's a good college quarterback, and he does. He seems to understand what Kelly wants to do. Uh, you know. 
they're going to have to get to him. They're going to have to get to him. I don't think he's a great runner, but he's an okay runner. He can make you miss. He, he manages the pocket pretty well. Um, I just, I just think he's a good game manager for their offense. Uh, again, I wouldn't call him great, but I, but I think he manages what they want to do very well. He doesn't turn the ball over a ton. He turns it over some. He just, uh, he just seems to handle everything that they want very well. That's kind of the best way I can really describe it. So, like, if I'm thinking about Miami's offense as compared to Notre Dame's offense, sure. not, yeah. not necessarily style, but I would say Miami by far the the best offense that Florida State's faced and the the most explosive. Mm-hmm. I I would probably say just based off what you're you're describing, Notre Dame maybe equally as successful of an offense, but more in the game manager style where they're going to just right. They're just going to march you down the field and score. Yeah. yeah that, that, that really is a good way of kind of describing it, Tim. Uh, you know, Miami spreads you so far horizontally and then attack those spaces down the field. Um, you know, you think of the touchdown pass to Brevin Jordan where they just stretched the field and it gave a little bit of run action and then there was a seam. Uh, my, Notre Dame is really just going to, they're just going to keep coming at you and they're not going to stop coming at you. And then they're going to, you know, they're going to run the ball, run the ball, run the ball, and then take a shot play. They're going to run the ball, then throw a screen. Um, you know, they're, they're, they're just going to, they're going to hit you with 20 yard plays as opposed to 60 yard plays over and over and over again. And uh, they're just going to, I think that they want to out execute you throughout the game. Whereas Miami was okay with having three and outs and, and, and uh, you know, having getting stopped because they knew that they were going to be able to add, out athlete you a little bit. Yeah. Whereas Notre Dame's just they're They know they're not going to out athlete you, even though they have some good, very good athletes. They're just good. They're going to bully you. They're going to out physical you. They're going to out execute you. It's a little concerning that you described Miami as wanting to do three and outs. They're okay with that because that didn't, <laughs> that didn't really happen against Florida State. No, so no, it didn't. How does Florida State attack this Notre Dame offense? Yeah, I mean, so, uh, and you were privy to a lot of this information. You know, I went back and, and charted the uh, Florida State-Jacksonville State game. And I just want to, I want to talk about that for a second here before we get into how Florida State's going to attack Notre Dame. So, I was looking at the, the specifically the passing game because that seems to be a hot button topic amongst Florida State fans right now, and I was looking at okay, so who was the DB or the line or the defensive player targeted the air yards and the side that the ball went to? I'm just going to go down here a couple. Uh, so on the first first play, Gainer was targeted on the uh, the wide side of the right side of the field for eight yards, so the flat area. Rice was targeted, uh, zero air yards, so at the line of scrimmage or behind, wide to the right. Warner targeted, left wide, zero yards. Gainer, left wide, three yards. Uh, Jerry and Jones, right wide, five yards. Samuel Dix, Dix, Samuel, Lundy, Samuel, Dix, Gainer. Think how many times I'm naming linebackers here and how many times they're getting targeted in the zero to 10-yard range over and over and over again from the hash to the wide side of the field, the flat area. This defense just gets destroyed in the flats because these poor linebackers, they, and these DBs and these linebackers just aren't understanding communication, how to communicate with each other yet. You better believe, Seminole fans, that that's the first place that Notre Dame's going to be looking. They're going to be they're going to be looking. They're going to be working screen game there. They're going to be working RPO game there. They're going to be working outside zone plays there. I mean, they're just... They are going to go at it, and they're going to keep going at it. 
So that's something first off for, for, for us to pay attention to as we're watching the game. How successful are they from that hash to the sideline? How successful is Notre Dame being in that area offensively? If they're having a lot of success there, it's going to be a long night. Just It is what it is. It's going to be a long night. If, if Florida State's having some success stopping them or holding them to two, three, four yards, coming up and tackling them a little bit better than they have uh, these past couple weeks, I, I think you are going to start to feel a little bit of optimism that they can find some stops uh, if they can continue to do that consistently. So, I, you know, if I'm Florida State, I, I man, you know, everybody's like, oh, play press man or, oh, get out of the zone. You got to do this. You got to – you just – I think they got to just continue – doing what they've been doing. And I know that that seems like, oh my goodness, keep sucking. No, what I'm saying is keep running your scheme. Keep trying to improve at it. Be willing to bring some pressure in situations where you feel like you're going to have the right call and you feel like you know what they're going to be coming at, you know, at you with. Don't be afraid to run blitz on first down. Try to get them behind the chains a little bit. Um, you know, but be, the main thing for me, in my opinion, Tim, run your scheme but get these guys to buy into being more physical. They've got to play more physical. If they don't match the physicality with Notre Dame, this game could be a hundred to nothing. Uh, and, you know, I've just, I feel like I've tried to describe it the best I can of how physical Notre Dame is. If we don't match their intensity and their physicality up front and in that front seven, good night. Just forget about it. Cause they're going to beat you up and they're going to be happy doing it. It makes me think of the old, like nineties, uh, Nebraska teams. This is how I feel like you're describing that offensive line where they just, some big old boys that are just going to just beat on you all night long. Oh, they remind me of the, some of the 93, uh, you know, 93, 92. Some of those old Notre Dame teams are just big, nasty. Yeah. I mean, they just, they're, they're 10, they're huge. They are huge. <laughs> if, if, if Nazareth Dean is playing this game. Uh, to help a lot. I was going to say, so. It'd help a lot. Where would, I guess him being there, obvious, his speed and ability to cover the field, but. You talk about those flats. Is that an area that he can make a huge impact considering, you know, assuming he's healthy? If they put him in those positions, the biggest thing, Tim, is he's a sure tackler and they're lacking that right now on the back end. Um, you know, especially especially some of these corners. You know, Sante Samuel, I love him, but he's a and he's a dog, but he's not the surest tackler. And he's, mm-hmm. and, he, and he's going to be in a, he's going to be in a mismatch this week with some bigger guys. So the biggest thing is just getting is finishing plays, uh, you know, bringing guys to the ground when you get there, you know, that, that's where I think a Nazardine helps you the most as he finishes and they need that. They're missing that right now, especially on that back end. They've got some young guys that are coming along and I, and I think uh, Travis J and Renardo green are going to be great football players. And I think they're going to be a great safety duo on the back end, but a Nazardine just brings guys to the ground. He finishes tackles, against any size players, small guys, big guys. That's what I feel like they're missing right now. Um, and, and that's where some of their issues are in this, on those flat plays is a guy catches a ball for five and then falls forward for, for an extra four because we can't get him to the ground. Um, you know, those, those are the places that I think a Nazardine helps you. I think it was, a, I think it was against Miami on, on the four vert segments. Like Florida State's running the scheme and getting people in the right position. But like you said, they're just missing on those tackles. Yeah, yeah, we just don't finish. I mean, you know, there there was a play in the Miami game where Travis J tackle is hitting the uh, ball carrier in the backfield. It was a you know I think it was um it was either Cam- Cameron Harris or or the uh, one of the uh, not not Knight. I can't think of the other player's name, but yeah. uh, uh, he you know hit him at the line of scrimmage behind the line of scrimmage, and the player bounced off of him and broke for 
an extra six yards and a first down on the fourth and one. It's like, you know, those are the plays that a Nasruddin finishes for you. You know, Hampson's Hampson's a sure tackler. He's a physical kid, knows how to finish plays. Uh, those are the areas that Florida State's lacking right now. Those are the things that, you know, I think the coaches are trying to preach, but I just don't think they necessarily have enough talent there on that side of the ball to do those things. Uh, I don't want to say optimistically, but being a realist, how many points are you expecting from Notre Dame? Well, you know, I, I don't know what to expect from them for who's going to be out and who's going to be, you know, who's missed a lot of time. I mean, they have like 35 guys quarantined or something like that. So those guys have obviously missed a, lo- obviously missed a lot of time. I expect some rust from their offense. Uh, they're getting some guys back that were that were injured. So there's obviously going to be rust. Um, you know, I think if you hold them under, if you hold them under 35, you feel like you've done a pretty decent job, honestly, uh, just because they are they are able to do to be so successful with just being consistent throughout a game and, and being able to drive long drives and not put themselves behind the chain. So, you know, I think, you know, that 30 to 35 range, if you can hold them in there in that ballpark, I think you, you will have felt like you've done an okay job at the end of the day. I'm going to, I'm going to go crazy hypothetical <laughs> on, on defense, Florida state wins the game. If they do this one thing, Josh Kando go, just goes off. If Josh Kando goes off and, and has a two or three sack game, I think that they can, I think that they can impact Ian book enough. I expect Marv to have a good game. Uh, I'm going to call it now. I'm going to call my shot right now. The guy's been getting dogged. I expect him to step up big time this week and play a good game. Uh, he, he and Kando, if Kando can have a big game, if he can, if he can really impact Ian book, uh, you know, that is what it's, in my opinion, is going to take. Um, you know, I think that they're going to bring pressure. I think they're going to mix up their, vary their looks. They're going to run some zone. They're going to run some man. Uh, but I think at the, at the end of the day, it's going to come down to what Josh Kano can do matching up against these tackles and how successful he can be get, as a pass rusher and as an edge setter. Well, Adam, I always appreciate it. Thanks so much for sharing all your insight. Um, <laughs> I encourage everybody to check out, of course, Tomahawk Nation. Adam's all over the place. Um, Adam, Adam and I were talking about uh, 20, 2021 commit Brandon Jennings earlier in our Slack chat and how excited we are about him next year. He, you, you're just a, a beacon of knowledge and hope for Florida State, Adam. I, uh, I greatly appreciate it. And make sure, and listen, it, it, no matter win or loss, doesn't matter. Check us out on uh, Sunday or on Monday morning or Monday afternoon. Uh, Trey, Kevin, myself are going to be breaking the game down on, on the triple option. Uh, hopefully you guys all enjoy that uh, and, and get some insight out of that uh, series. Uh, it's a lot of fun. I, I, you know, I enjoy working with you guys, you, especially you, Tim. Always talking Florida State football, Florida State recruiting, everything Florida State. It's a great time for me. Adam, thanks so much, buddy. Yeah, see you, Tim. Thank you to Adam and Kevin for jumping on with Tim and actually talking about smart things. Speaking of talking about smart things, once again, we're welcoming Brett to the pod. Brett, how are you doing tonight? I'm good. been watching a lot of baseball today and trying to get through the school week. The only time I'll cheer for the Rays is when they're playing the Yankees. So I, I think that is the feeling of America. Um, basically, we're going to get you caught up on the small things that we got this week. We didn't get revealed too much again. Mike Norvell, as great as he is of being there and available, we don't get uh, too much out of him. Like, he's very coy about what he reveals. We did 
today, Wednesday, get the news that Demori Tate is an academic redshirt for the year. We've had a lot of readers, a lot of commenters, people asking about the status. Um, that's finally clear. Sars Fagan, earlier in the week, we heard, uh, it was first reported by 247 that he was transferring. He confirmed that news with a tweet of his own. A longtime contributor, he kind of had fell out of the rotation this year. He'll be a grad transfer, which is very good news as far as APR goes and far as he goes. Like it's very nice that he gets to leave as a Florida State graduate. And then injury updates. Um, we got the tiniest of tidbit that Chuba Purdy is progressing. Um, we heard that Travis J and Robert Cooper, who were both injured. Um, in the Miami game, it was really funny. Bob Frente was asking him and was like, Coach, could it be months? Could it be weeks until we get him back? And then Mike Norvell just kind of looked at him and was just like, or days. And everyone was like, oh, okay. So there's a possibility we see one or both playing this Saturday against Notre Dame. Assuming, again, by the time you listen to this, there is still a Notre Dame game happening. Brett, you've been on the calls all week too as well. You sit there, you type little fingers as fast as you can to update in the articles when we do them every day. What were your takeaways from this week? Yeah, I had a couple takeaways. First off with a couple more on the injury. Well, just Hampson Nasruddine, Norvell brought him up and said, you know, they're going to wait until he's completely 100% to play. I mean, the last two weeks we've saw him out in the field kind of just trying to work things out and he hasn't looked 100% comfortable. So it just sounds like he may be they still might be a couple of weeks or a week away from getting him back. And there's going to be as patient as possible, patient as possible. Another thing was on Wednesday, Norvell was quite disappointed with just the consistency of the team's effort. And, you know, it just shows that he's not afraid to call those guys out sort of and remind them of the standard that he's trying to get to. And we keep seeing that standard, you know, that's just something that they remind those guys every day, even if it's through the media and the stuff that we put out. So, you know, it's, but he did say that Tuesday they had one of their better Tuesdays. So they're just fine, finding that consistency there. Yeah. He's definitely aware of our role at all this. Like you can tell when he's calling them out through the media. And I think um, Jerry cuts from the Osceola asks, why is Norvell being so honest? And you saw him think about it. And he was like, well, if I said it was a good practice and the kids would know I was lying. And I thought it was interesting, like, I mean, given everything from over the summer, everything that Norvell's been about, he's just very aware of what he's doing. So it was uh, a nice little wink nod from him. We also got some recruiting news this week. Uh, we saw top six from recruit Tywon Malone, which like top five already, sports great name, like hands down. Brett, we saw that he has a baseball offer as well, but it doesn't seem like it's just oh, hey, please come play Florida State football. We'll let you play baseball. He seems like an actual legitimate baseball prospect. Yeah, this kid's no pushover on the baseball field either. And I mean, of course, he's not a big kid, like 6'3", 300 pounds. So obviously, he's not a pushover. But this isn't just them helping out football. This could help them out too. You know, they've last few years, they've kind of missed that big power bat. Um, Just another big power bat. They've always had one or two, but you're always looking for more power. So this kid definitely brings that natural power, natural, easy power to all fields with something that he's shown this summer. Um, he's from New Jersey, so he hasn't seen the best baseball competition in 
he was recently at one of the bigger baseball showcases, the area code games a couple weeks ago and talked to a few scouts from there. They said he just showed power to all fields, easy power to all fields. He struggled a bit with elite, elite pitching, but I think just over time is he sees more of that and more Velo that he'll get used to it. So, and I mean, he's a top 500 ranked kid for baseball too by perfect game. So it's not just them saying, you know what, we'll take this kid because he's not on scholarship. I think he can actually contribute and there is playing time there. There's going to be five or six guys or five or six uh, open spots in the lineup in 2022, probably. So it, it could be impact on both, both football and baseball. All right. And so remove the fandom. We're not fans. We're journalists. I'll figure out how to phrase this a different way. I just was trying to hedge it in a way out of the schools that are in his top six that he has a baseball offer from does Florida state legitimately have the best baseball opportunity for him? Well, I think, I think Florida state probably has the best baseball tradition Mm -hmm. out of those schools. And I think, I know for a fact that we do have opportunities there and that if he really wants to play baseball, he, and he finds that he is good enough to play at Florida state and that the staff finds that he's good enough that he could find early opportunities. I can't really talk. I don't really know the specifics of these other schools, but I think if baseball really is a big deal to him, I really do like FSU's chances here. And I know that I know that FSU's baseball staff is really going to work with the football staff to get this kid on campus. And speaking of the staff, uh, you've been doing interviews the last, I mean, we could say like the last like months, but specifically the last like few weeks, like you guys have been really honing in on the 2020-21 season, just getting ready for fall ball to begin because they're still in practice. Well, there's no like, because there's no like games against other teams this year, but they're in like, they're officially in their real team practices instead of workouts. So fall ball has begun. Okay. So you talked, I mean, you released a catcher's article this week, but then you spoke with pitchers and the pitching staff the other day. Do you want to kind of update the fair listeners on everything that you've been hearing? Well, yeah. So I spoke to, I spoke to two pitchers and three position players as well. Just trying to just to get into some articles going forward for the rest of the fall ball series. But um, some really good news that I learned this week through interviews was uh, FSU. I mentioned Hunter Purdue last in the last time I was on the podcast as being something, some a name that FSU fans need to follow in coming off Tommy John surgery. He threw his first live session this week for Florida state on the mound against batters first time since his Tommy John surgery and it went really well. And he's, he's a full go. He's a full go going in into the season and he's, he's revving it up now. So and I've heard really good things back from people around the program, how he threw the other day. And it is top of the, it is top of the line stuff. It is, I don't want to say it's CJ Van Eyck ish, but he could go in that draft area where CJ Van Eyck went. And that's probably where he would have gone if he hadn't got hurt out of Juco. So it's a little different repertoire than Van Eyck, but he could have Van Eyck impact. Um, another guy I talked to is Tyler Martin. He was dealing with some, arm injuries last year, but he said he's fully healthy and ready to go uh, this fall. And this fall will be, this fall will be big for him and Dylan Simmons um, because you know both those guys are freshman all Americans last year, but Dylan was recovering from his uh, leukemia and uh, Tyler was early enrollee. So he's still in high school. So neither of them had falls last year to really 
time themselves up with college pitching. So those guys were really good last year, but the, this this fall could make them even better going into next year. Yeah, because they barely even got a spring fully. So it's mainly, I mean, the same thing that we've seen in football, where a lot of these kids have had to just train themselves either at home, maybe with a trainer or something. Has there been a little bit of struggle for any players, have you seen? Or have all that been confident in how yeah, they some, perform so far? Well, some of these guys, I know a lot of the hitters have, well, I just know in general the pitchers have had an advantage early on, which is, it's normal for most falls, but it's probably going to be more so this fall than ever before because hitters is just they just haven't seen live pitching in so long unless they played summer ball. But and you know freshmen come in and they're going to struggle with college pitching at first, so those guys just have to adapt to it. And I think by the time spring rolls around, the hitters will be ready to roll mostly because they're facing some of the best pitchers. And just the vibe around the team right now, I think, is that they knew they were going to have a good class of pitchers coming in but it's even better than they had even thought before and they'll have that they'll definitely have some big time contributors out of the freshman pitchers this year is there anything that people should be looking forward to like either team wise in the coming weeks or even just you know your own content what should they be looking for from baseball brett well you know we'll have i'll have uh i'll have fall ball series articles every week so this week will be Whenever I get this exam done with, uh, <laughs> it'll be corner infielders and then middle infielders and all going forward. So, and I'll have an interview for with a player from every position group uh, every week, and then also stated recruiting for those positions. And then team wise, uh, I think we're under a month now. November fourth and fifth was when they were planning to have a garnet and gold game if they can, and they did want to have fans there. So that would be the first time any of us really got a firsthand look at the team because media has not been allowed out there. <laughs> so it's, it's I'm counting down to that day, those days. I'm hoping it does come, as I'm sure many other people are. And yeah, then, just Squidward memeing, like looking out, hoping that you can once again yeah, walk in the Hauser. Some, someone let me in, okay? <laughs> I just I need a relief, you know. I just somehow I got to say like I'm cleaning chairs or something, but I got to get in there somehow. Yeah, just put a mustache on. Nobody will recognize you. I got the tea going right now. (laughs) All right. um, Also, go ahead and head to the baseball thread that we have started on the site. Brett is dropping his spicy nugs in there as part of Brett's biggie bag because the man loves his Wendy's. We had to name it after it. But don't forget that. He is also a football guy. Don't let his baseball smarts deceive you. Follow him at Brett PN. This weekend, he will be live tweeting the FSU Notre Dame game. We'll be also covering it from the account. We've got it from all angles. We have our game thread, so you can hop in and just rant about your misery. You can jump and see our analytics. I can't even process in my brain how many different things we have right now that you can go and literally become as much of an expert on this miserable, miserable game that's about to happen as you want. Thank you for listening. Thank you to everybody for jumping on. Thank you, Brett, for giving us the baseball swing, the baseball scoop. Great analysis get, there. Yeah, great analysis. Great wordplay. I have nothing left to say. Nobody wants to hear it anyway. And with that, that's a wrap.